Hello, and welcome to episode 205 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Tim Stiles, creator of Gorilla of Gorilla My Dreams, The Sheep from the Ghost, on Kickstarter now. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before we get into the interview, could you start us off with a quick bio about yourself? And then after that bio, how about a elevator pitch for this book? Yeah, no worries at all. So my name's Tim Stiles. Um, I'm from Australia. I've been writing comic books about for about five years now. I reviewed comic books uh, for years before diving into writing my own. And um, Gorilla My Dreams is the story of a superhero named Knockaround Guy who is a talking gorilla uh, suffering depression. And uh, this is actually the third book in the series. And The Sheep from the Ghost has him wake up from a coma after being shot and trying to settle down and retire from the superhero life. But due to circumstances beyond his control, being dragged back into it. Very cool. So you said something interesting there that I, I want to go back to the, the, the comic book reviews. Um, were you doing those, uh, you know, for yourself on a blog or were you doing those uh, in association with anybody else? It was on a website called Giant Fire Breathing Robot. Um, and it's actually the website's closed down now, so it doesn't exist anymore. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, a geek website where people would review video games, movies, comic books, basically anything across the board. So, um, yeah, and I was the uh, comic book reviewer. And that was sort of uh, previous to your to your five years of, of making comics or was there like a little bit of overlap there? Yeah, there was no actually no actual overlap. I, yeah, went basically when the website shut down, um, I, I just decided, look, I, I'm going to start writing my own comics and see if I can get off the ground with this. Nice. And so do you feel that some of the time you took uh, reviewing comics was a bit of an education into, you know, things that work well, things that don't work so well? And, you know, reading all of those comics, were you able to sort of build a background of knowledge that, that that's helping you make comics now? Yes, definitely. I mean, having read over those years, hundreds, maybe even thousands of comic books that companies would submit to be reviewed, um, you see what works and what doesn't work. And you just from a, what's the word, almost like osmosis, you, you absorb the language of what's working and what's not working. And uh, I think, yeah, it really helped me with my comic book literacy as well as my uh visual storytelling for for when i'm writing a script for an artist i can the certain things i can sort of ask for um to get various emotions across um but yes i, I definitely think that spending so much time reviewing and studying comic books across the board from superhero science fiction historical comics you know, it really did, uh, it soaked in and and helped me with my comic book literacy, yeah. Nice. And what about sort of uh, reading for enjoyment now? Has sort of that time as a reviewer 
Um, are you ever, ever, ever able to take that sort of hat off and just sort of sit down with a, uh, with a superhero comic with a bunch of dudes punching each other in the face and just sort of enjoy it? Or this sort of all of that time as a reviewer, does that sort of creep into your mind and you're like, okay, this panel is a little off, this dialogue, or, or do you, are you able to shut that off and just sort of read for enjoyment now? Yeah, look, a, a bit of both. I, I do find that, yeah, my critical hat is on sometimes when I am, you know, reading my weekly pull list. Um, but then sometimes a book is just so entertaining that I'm on for the ride. Uh, the, I mean, the latest one on my pull list that has really got me into that was is Marvel's uh, Black Widow, mm-hmm. where uh, the whole way, you know, I think it's up to issue six now, but every issue I'm just so invested in the story and the character that I don't even register it as a critic, you know, I'm just enjoying it the whole way. But yes, a lot of the time I do read um, various comics and I think, oh, okay, I can see what they're trying to do there, but they haven't quite succeeded. Or, okay, I understand the the visual uh, trick they're playing here to make me feel this emotion sort of thing, you know? Yeah, I think that that's something that's common for a lot of us when we when we take on that sort of switch in our life to become a creator because everything you consume, it's easily to, you can consume it in two ways for entertainment or as a creator. Um, and you're like, okay, I expect that this sort of story turn is going to happen. And then when it happens, you're like, okay, I, I, I saw that. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if necessarily a bit of the fun is taken out of it when you become a creator, but um, I feel like a little bit it is that you, you know, if you work at it for a while, you can kind of see things in the average sort of fan who just sits down might really enjoy that twist or enjoy that development or that character arc. And you as a creator, you're like, okay, I kind of think I see where this is going. And then when it happens, it sort of reaffirm, reaffirms for you. Uh, but it's still sort of satisfying to um, see that happen and sort of know the nuts and bolts behind it. Do you, do you find that as well? Yeah. I actually also do, um, a podcast called the turtle boy podcast where a friend of mine, um, we, we talk about the original, uh, Eastman and Laird Ninja Turtles comics. Um, each episode is one at a time where we really sort of break it down and examine the art, examine the story, what's working, what's not sort of thing. Um, and I, I think because I do that weekly, um, that also helps get that out of my system as well. Mm-hmm. So I can, in my free time when I'm just reading comics, just enjoy them more because I've already done my critical thing over here on the podcast. And um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, was Turtles a, uh, a big thing in uh, Australia like it was, I guess, uh, late 80s, early 90s in Australia? I, I know that sort of sometimes, depending on where things start, they sort of they get bigger, you know, in other countries at a, at a later date. But was like that sort of the heydays for, for Turtles there? Yeah, um, I believe it took a couple years before the the whole turtle mania happened over here. But I, I remember being a kid and and literally running home from school to get home in time to watch the Ninja Turtles, which was on at four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I was a big fan. The the reason the podcast is called the Turtle Boy Podcast is because my friends at school, because I had all this Ninja Turtle knowledge 
they used to say, hey, hey, Turtle Boy, can you explain this? Who's this character? What's this mean? To, you know, um, and so that's why I've sort of run with that for the podcast name. But um, yeah, it definitely did happen over here. But I think it was just a couple of years uh, delayed from from what was happening in the States. And what about like sort of other, uh, it seems like this was an influence for you, but what about like other influences um, uh, like Marvel Comics, DC Comics, maybe maybe the image boom or were some of those things um, uh, making their way to, to you guys in, in Australia? Yeah, my, um, one of my major influences is actually Captain America. And, and that's interesting coming from an Australian guy. But uh, the first comic book I ever bought, um, again, when I was, when I was a teenager, um, was Captain America 365. And I've still got it bagged and boarded. It's in terrible condition, so it's not worth anything. But um, that was like 1989. And I've been a Captain America guy ever since. And uh, actually, my, my superhero knockaround guy, he's... People who have read it have said, look, we can really see a, uh, an earnest Captain America influence with the character. Um, but I would take it one step further and say, as much as I love Captain America, I, I love more uh, flawed characters, more like US Agent, um, you know, people who are watching um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, with this replacement Captain America. I'm more in love with characters like that. And my, my superhero knockaround guy is uh, a very flawed character in that he's a talking gorilla, but he's not exceptionally smart. And people just assume that he's a, a smart detective because he's a talking gorilla. And he does his best, but he screws up a lot, um, which is like, you know, this new Captain America character who I see, I know a lot of people hate him on the show, but I see him as this earnest character who's trying his best, but he's just a screw up and he keeps messing up, you know? Um, and that's because when, when I was reading Captain America, you know, I enjoy him and I, I really do enjoy his stories, but seeing this other character trying to live up to the Captain America ideal, but not being able to and continually being knocked down, but continually getting up and trying to do it again. That's the sort of thing that really speaks to me as a person. And that's the kind of thing I try to get across in, in knock around guy and gorilla my dreams. Nice. So I have one more sort of influence question, or maybe, maybe even more of like a Australia um, comics fan. There was a certain amount of time where, where the X-Men were, were operating out of Australia. Was that like a, a big deal for, for you guys there? Um, I wasn't at, at the actual time that that was happening. I wasn't into comics at the time. I think I was a bit too young. And um, in my adult years, I've gone back and read it and, and really enjoyed that stuff. But um, when I started comics was around about the era where, um, let me think, you know, like X-Force started. I, okay. I actually remember getting the last issue of New Mutants um, and then you know, the polybagged X-Force number one with Rob Liefeld art and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's the X-Men era that I started paying attention to comics and especially the X-Men. I was a big fan of Peter David's X-Factor at the time, which was, you know, Multiple Man and Strong Guy and Havoc um, and all those guys. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure what Australia thought of the X-Men operating out of Australia at the time. It was, it was a bit before my interest in comic books. 
Okay. So do you think the, uh, the X factor, you know, your, your interest in X factor, your reading of X factor, um, you know, I haven't read a lot, but I sort of understand it. It's sort of like an X-Men detective agency. So do you think maybe that's why you have a bit of a, uh, a detective aspect to, to your comic? Um, yes, yes. I've always had an interest in the sort of, um, you know, the the detective noir type storytelling. Um, and those, those uh, Peter David Madrox X-Factor books are, are really great and I, and definitely an influence in what I in what I do as far as setting this superhero comic up as a, a detective noir story. Um, other other influences are like okay, what what was a real inspiration for this comic book was I went through this era where I discovered that detective noir stories don't just have to be black and white movies from the thirties and forties. Um, I stumbled across. Uh, the movie Zootopia. Um, at the same time, I read the script for the movie Brick, which was a kind of a, a detective noir story in a high school. And then again, at the same time, I read Ryan K. Lindsay's uh, Chum, which was another murder noir mystery story, but set on a tropical island. And it coming across these three things at the one time, it really opened up my eyes that, oh, right, so a detective noir story doesn't have to be a guy in a trench coat and a hat, you know, necessarily fighting 1920s uh, prohibition gangsters and things. You can set it in any era, era and still have the same uh, same tropes, the same feel as 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 traditional um, gumshoe detective stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Nice. So... Five years ago, you make the decision that you, that you want to, uh, you know, create your own stuff. Was the sort of the motif of uh, having sort of a superhero that's uh, a talking gorilla? Was that something that was sort of always on your mind, or is that something that, that came to you sort of, you know, early on in that creative uh, stage? Uh, okay, well, th- there's kind of a, a, a two pronged answer to this in that. Gorilla My Dreams wasn't my first uh, attempt at making comic books. I originally started with a character called Cthulhu Williams, which was very um, inspired by the likes of Hellboy and uh, Steve Niles' Criminal Macabre and that sort of thing. Um, and he was a yeah, paranormal investigator. Um, as far as Knockaround Guy and where he came from, um, I... I don't know if you're familiar with a game. It was an online game some years ago called City of Heroes. I've heard of it. Yeah, like I was addicted to that game. Like I would go to work and do an eight or 10 hour day at work and then come home and just turn on this game and play superheroes and supervillains, you know, for another eight hours, then sleep for four or five hours and do it all again. Um, One of the characters I used to play was this actual gorilla character um, called Knockaround Guy. Now, there wasn't any... It was really all just aesthetics at the time, and it wasn't really much of a character as it was just me running around this internet world beating up heroes and villains and sort of thing. Um, but that's where the the idea of the character came from. But the idea of the story came from... I was at a screenwriting workshop 
where the um, the felic- uh, sorry the the lecturer said he basically gave us a task. He says you've got thirty seconds to write down thirty ideas off the top of your head. Um, and so I started writing, you know, as he said, and then he said, now you need to pick three, mash them together and see what you come up with. And I had um, Talking Gorilla, obviously because of the influence from the game. I had uh, The Great Clown and Mime War. And then I had a mime suffocating inside an invisible box. And then from that, I mashed those three ideas together. And that's basically where I came up with Gorilla My Dreams, um, just from this exercise in this screenwriting workshop. And although the idea has changed a bit since then, that was really the spark that helped me build who this character was and what the story is. Nice. And was screenwriting something that you sort of uh, had a passion for? Or was it something that you were just sort of trying to build your your knowledge of, of, of storytelling? Um, well, before I got into writing comic books, um, I've sp- I spent a lot of time writing uh, you know, sh- short films and writing feature film scripts that never went anywhere. Um, you know, I, I, we, we shot a few of the short film scripts that I, that I wrote, but for the most part, I, I see that whole period of my life as just training in storytelling and training in sitting down and writing even when nothing comes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has always been that interest in screenwriting and film. Um, and it was really, I think that's why it was a fairly easy transition to get from, to get to writing my own comics um, because I'd had that years and years of experience of how to structure a story, how to you know, write dialogue and how to actually sit down for hours and write. Okay. So a lot of times if I have somebody who has a background in in screenwriting and then is sort of transitioned to comic writing, I sort of like to ask the question about like the differences, because I've always heard that a page of text on your, on your, you know, your, your screenwriting is basically a minute of film. Um, Is that correct? Or is that sort of the, the, the understanding? That yeah, that's the loose rule. Yes, yeah. And so when you're doing that, you're sort of you know when we watch a movie, we all watch a movie at sort of the the same pace and the same speed. So sort of you know everything that you put down on that page happens in roughly a minute on screen. But with a yeah. comic, you can slow things down. You sort of make us as the reader slow down on a panel and really concentrate on a moment. And then you also sort of have the unique uh, aspect of comics, the, the, the page turn. So um, were those things that you kind of knew from the, the comics review or were those things that you sort of had to uh, break out when you, you know, you'd spent this time doing like screenwriting in, in the, in the, Basically, you were able to play with the the speed and the pacing a little bit. Yeah, definitely something that I picked up from um, in my time reviewing comics that I could, uh, how do you say, sort of add to my toolkit. Um, you know, it's not something necessarily that that you use in screenwriting, especially with the rule of the page turn. Um, but you know, ha- like I said, having read just thousands of comics and 
you know, reviewing them and really analyzing them, those sort of things I did pick up from, from the reviewing. Yeah. Nice. So you, I think you said earlier uh, during the intro that this is the, the, the third publication of, of this series. Is that correct? Um, yes. I've, it, it's, as far as the story goes, it's, it's the third chapter. Um, I did also publish um, a prequel uh, secret origin type story for the villain. So there's, there's four Gorilla My Dreams comics out, but as far as following the story, um, it's the third chapter in Knock Around Guy's story. Okay. Um, um, and the thing is, I've, I've really tried um, with each issue, I, I always take on board what Stan Lee always said in that every issue is someone's first issue. So what I've really tried to do with each of these comics is make, make them as close to a one-shot as possible. So each issue sort of has its own self-contained story, which should be... Um, a satisfying read in its own right um, so that you know if you if you can only get one of the issues if you can only get one of the issues it's it should be fun and self-contained and although I'm hoping you want to read more if you put that one down you know you're not necessarily like oh okay well at the end of that issue you know Wolverine was um hanging up on a crucifix what's he going to do next um i i don't i'm trying not to throw in those cliffhangers because every issue is someone's first issue so each issue is i'm trying to have as as close to a self-contained one shot as possible if that makes sense yeah it does was your okay so i'm going to go back to, to screenwriting a little bit where i think you said short film um but were you like were you trying to do like serialized television? Because I'm thinking when you gave that description, I was thinking sort of like X-Files where you could watch one episode of X-Files and it would be, you know, sort of monster of the week and you could enjoy that one story, but there would be a little bit that would sort of advance the story of Mulder and Scully a little bit. So you could enjoy it for 60 minutes of, of you know, viewing but you also knew that like the sort of the season or the the story of x-files was was continuing a little bit so it sounds like that's kind of what you're doing with the comic i don't know if my sort of x-files analogy is is a good one but it seems like that's what you're going for yeah you hit it directly on the head in that even though each of these issues you can sit down and just read one and and it should be a, a satisfying experience in itself if you do follow the whole story, there is an overarching uh, storyline, um, which, you know, I've got more and more planned down, you know, sorry, I've got more and more planned issues to come up to tell this whole story. But my plan is that every single issue, yeah, is like the freak of the week type thing, like X-Files. But when you get the whole lot, you can see the overarching story and relationships and things there. Nice. And with this Kickstarter, if somebody's interested to go back, um, do you offer rewards where they can go back and get the, the the previous stories so they can either sample this one story or if they want to make the commitment to to sample everything, is, is that an option for them? Uh, yep, definitely. I've got a pledge level where you can, I, I'm calling it the King Kong digital bundle, where you get all the issues published so far in digital in PDFs, 
but you also get all the scripts in PDF and you also get all the audio commentaries for each issue um, as well, because with each issue I've, I've sat down and gone through them. I've done an audio commentary um, with my friend who does the turtle boy podcast with me, uh, Luke McWilliams. He sort of interviews me and we both go through the comic page by page and talk about characters, talk about art, talk about the story. Um, so yeah, not only do you get the back issues, but you get the scripts and you get the audio commentaries to really get into it and into my mindset when I was writing it um, as well. Um, right. And also I'm, I've off, I'm offering add-ons for if you do want the, the hard copy back issues as well. Nice. Well, I would think anybody listening to a comic book podcast calling Constructing Comics is, is into to process. So for, for the process junkies to sort of maybe you know, pick up the, the book, look at the script and listen to that, you know, that uh, commentary that you're giving, that would give a lot of insight to, to the creative process. So I think you've come to the, come to the right uh, audience there. Yeah, hopefully, man, like uh, it's, it's been, my audio commentaries have been pretty uh, popular in the past. So uh, yeah, if, if you want to crack open my brain and feast on the gooey goodness inside <laughs> that's the best way to get in on it nice so uh let's let's talk about the 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 art team uh do you you handle the the writing chores or do you have any other aspect of the the creative process here uh look i i basically call myself the writer and co creator mm -hmm. um although i write all the scripts my artist ahmed rafat he um contributes so much that he as far as i'm concerned he's a co-creator he's not just uh, an artist for hire or anything like that you know this is as much his book as as it is mine um in my scripts sometimes you know there's a page where i see where i say i need this to happen just do what you need to do to make this happen um other times the scripts are fairly detailed and laid out with what I want but um I trust Ahmed enough to just let him do his thing you know uh which I think really adds flavor to the book um and gives him the freedom to just instead of saying okay Tim wants this Tim wants that I've got to put this in the panel he can just you know really flex his artistic muscles you know um and then on top of that then I'm I'm just the one that organizes the um the, the printing up of the finished book and getting them out to people in stores and things like that as well. And is uh, Ahmad been the, the, the artist for, for all the other previous issues? Yep, Ahmed has been all except for the Lucifer Bim Bomb uh, Secret Origin special, um, which the artist in that one was uh, a gentleman named Dennis Tyrona. Um, but Ahmed has sorry um ahmed has definitely um done the previous two stories that follow knock around guys tale mm -hmm. um and then yeah i got dennis tyrona on to do the um the secret origin of lucifer bim bomb nice uh you certainly have a uh, a talent when it comes to names I'm, I'm still thinking of cthulhu williams uh when, <laughs> when when you're talking so uh how did how did you hook up with with these artists it was this sort of a, a search of uh internet art styles and sort of trying to find somebody that that sort of met what you were kind of thinking in your mind's eye for for this book um okay well 
a number of different approaches I took. When I wrote the Cthulhu Williams one shot, um, I had no idea where to get artists from. So what I did was I actually went through Kickstarter and found um, comic book projects where they offered to do art for, for your comic book, um, you know, eight pages or 12 pages, that sort of thing. So um, people who are familiar with the Cthulhu Williams one shot, there's three short stories in it. And each of those I just um, got from backing uh, Kickstarters and getting their creative team to make the book for me. Nice. Um, so that was the Cthulhu Williams one. Um, and as far as uh, Gorilla My Dreams is concerned, I found I actually found Ahmed on uh, Fiverr. Um, I'm sure people are familiar with that website. And Ahmed was just doing, um, you know, drawings for hire over there. And I actually tapped into him to just at first just to do the character designs. And um, I gave him the explanations of a few characters and he drew them up and I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then after a while, he said to me, what is this for, man? Because these characters are incredible. What is this for? And I gave him the pitch um, that, you know, knock around guy, he's a talking gorilla. He fancies himself a superhero and he's investigating the murder of a street mime that f was found suffocated inside an actual box. And he was just like, that's the most incredible thing I've ever heard. I want in. So we took our um, professional relationship off Fiverr and um, decided to go partners in this thing. And um, yeah, so that, that, that's how I, I came across Ahmed anyway. It was like, I started off paying him, you know, just to do character designs and he really clicked with the idea. Um, he understood, you know, the, the feel I wanted. He understood what I was trying to accomplish and uh, was eager to get on board. So I was like, you know, how, how do you say no to that? Sure. And I, you had mentioned this earlier that sort of your, your process has evolved and there's sometimes where you're just sort of like, this is what I need to happen on the page um, and just sort of do your thing. But early on when you guys were working, you know, sort of on those first issues where your scripts a little bit more detailed as you guys are sort of figuring out your workflow, figuring out your relationship, were you, were you more descriptive back on the, the, the earlier issues? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think I've, I think I'm still as descriptive when I need it to be. Um, but then I do understand that there's, you know, some pages where I can just let Ahmed flex his muscles and I know he'll deliver. I think we've only ever had, and this is unusual for a relationship that's gone on for three issues. We've only ever had one page where I've said, look, I don't like it. Can we change this? Um, and it was only one panel on the page. Um, and that was actually very early on in our, in our professional relationship and friendship. And, um, but like I said, he's so switched on to my sense of humor, to my sense of storytelling um, that I've, I've since that one page, that one panel, I've never had to say, you know, um, this isn't what I want because he delivers so much more than what I have in my head when I, uh, when I write the thing. Mm -hmm. Nice. And is this process digital or is he traditional or maybe a, a combination of the, of the two? Do you know? 
Um, he's he's 100% digital. He uh, yeah does pencils, then uh, you know he does layouts, then pencils, then inks, all all digitally. Nice. So that probably helps on that that rare one occasion where you're like, hey, you know, we need to, you know, we need to rework that. The fact that it's a, a digital file maybe helps that 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 process out a, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And do you um, do you see thumbnails, pencils, inks? Uh, does does he also color the book, or do you do you have a colorist? Um, well, this book is actually black and white. Okay. Part of the um, whole, you know, detective noir feel we wanted with the book was we, we decided to go with grey tones mm-hmm. instead of colour. Um, and I think that does also really help with the feel of this being a, a detective noir uh, street level tale, you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you're correct. I was I was looking at the the, the pages today and they're sort of digital inks with, with gray tones but do, does he when you turn something over to him does he sort of rough out the thumbnails and, and send those to you and then you sort of go all right you're you're on track or uh you know this is this is right this is a little bit off track uh or do you just sort of at this point in your relationship are you able to just sort of get close to finished pages yeah he um like he still does send me the layouts and then the the pencils and then the inks, but my honest uh, reaction every time is just amazing. Keep going, you know. Like he's he's got such a good gut instinct for what I want um, that yeah, I I don't even I, I think I'm really lucky in that I just give him the script and he delivers quality work that I don't need to. Even though he's sending me images you know thumbnails pencils each step of the way um he's just killing it all the time and that it's that kind of professionalism and high quality art um that he delivers that i'm like well yeah you're not just an artist for hire you're definitely the co-creator because you're bringing you know so much to this comic than than just drawing what i'm telling you sort of thing if, if you know if you know what i mean yeah i I agree. Certainly when you get somebody that clicks with you um, that well, that's sort of like uh, the, the, the magic that you need uh, to, to make comics. Um, so uh, where, where is he located? Uh, you're in Australia, but where is he located? He's actually um, in London. Okay. Yeah. So do you sort of have that? Uh, Cause I've worked with, with people in different, parts of the country I've, I've worked with I'm, I'm in the states and I've worked with people who are sort of in Turkey so I've had that sort of magical experience where you know for, during the day for me I've sort of communicated some notes or some some ideas um, and then sort of gone to sleep and then woken up to an email or a notification that my Dropbox has been updated and then you sort of wake up to you know, that page of art that you were sort of just discussing, you know, that day with your, with your co-creator, do you, do you, do you guys have sort of that relationship sometimes? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I love waking up to, you know, fresh art in my inbox, man. It's, there's nothing like it, you know, it, it gets you in the, in a great mood for the whole day. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely love it. Yeah. And it's also sort of this magical feeling that like, um, as a writer, you know, these things have sort of 
lived in your head for so long. And, you know, for, for me, I found that there's this magical moment that either the artist has sort of nailed what's in my mind's eye, like perfectly sort of magically without it sort of, you know, there's absolutely no way they could have had knowledge of what I was sort of picturing in my head, but yeah. it happens. Or they do something that I'm like, that was so much better than what I was, was picturing in my head. Like that's another sort of magical um, moment that you can have to when you wake up to the notification of a new email or, or you know a Dropbox uh, update. Yeah, definitely. And I think with my screenwriting history, where I've spent so many years just writing and nothing coming of it for various reasons, um, it, it is great to actually have an idea and see someone bring it to life before your eyes. Um, it's you know, I, I often just send Ahmed a message and just say, mate, I am so lucky to have you on board. You know, this, these would all just still be ideas in my head if, you know, if you weren't on board making them, bringing them to life, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here grinning like a damn fool right <laughs> now um, just thinking about it, you know. I, I, it's just such a great experience. Yeah. And what about uh, a letterer? Have you brought a letterer on board uh, to, to, to help you guys out here? Um, we have uh, the Lucifer Bimbom secret origin story. Um, I got in an Australian guy, um, Australian friend of mine, Darren Close, who did the lettering for that one. Um, Darren Close actually currently has a, a Kickstarter going for his Australian comic book, Killaroo, um, which is doing gangbusters on kickstarter so if you if your audience is interested in getting more australian comic books more great australian comic books just google killaroo on kickstarter and um you can jump on board that but um darren did the lettering for the lucifer bim bomb one shot um ahmed has actually been doing the lettering as part of his art chores on this book but starting from next issue i am um speaking with a letterer to um take that load off Ahmed's shoulders so he can just concentrate more on just the art um, and get and, and get a letter letterer in. Yeah. Nice. So I'm definitely going to, to put a link for, for that other Kickstarter in, in the show notes um, for anybody who, who wants to check that out. Um, so uh, do you, uh, do you take a, a, a pass through the, the book when it's, when it's been lettered to sort of see how it, cause you've, you've written this dialogue and description on, you know, uh, a computer document, maybe in a notebook, but now you see it, you know, with art in a word balloon, do you, at that point, do you, do you take a pass through it and say, okay, I don't, I don't need this. This is repetitive because what I can see in the panel or does it sort of work out again magically that you guys are sort of um, nailing everything with that? Um, look, yeah, we have we have had to do that um, a few times where, yeah, as a writer, you know, you, you sort of don't realise, as you said, you know, the dialogue and the images are repetitive. And as everyone knows, you know, in film, in comics, you got to do your best to show and not tell. And... Uh, so yes, definitely a lot of times we have come to the decision, okay, look, we don't even need that speech bubble or, you know, let's move that speech bubble 
to the panel before or, or something like that. So yeah, there, there definitely is that um, like final, I, I consider it like the, it's the final edit of the script. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, although literally it's not the script, um, but yeah, it's just like the final, my, my final little edit of the script to make sure that it's all cohesive and, and like you said, yeah, not repetitive that I, I have actually found that a few times uh, throughout these issues. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you sort of found your, your co-creator with Ahmed and he was doing the, the lettering, um, you know, and it started off with, with character sketches. So it sort of evolved from there. Um, did he have any sort of uh, knowledge base in lettering or did he sort of go and, and look at tutorials or just sort of look at books to figure out like what works and do- doesn't work? Because, you know, a lot of times on this podcast, we've talked about like, you don't notice the lettering unless it's done wrong. Like yeah. it's sort of like, a, you know, a, an official in a sports game, like you don't notice them unless they, they, they mess up. So like, what was his sort of, um, you know, knowledge base or what was his sort of education into to figuring out where to put those balloons? Um, what attracted me to Ahmed on day one when I was looking for artists on Fiverr was he had this resume um, drawn up like a comic book page and he he had drawn himself explaining you know, his history of comic book creating and his love of comic books. And that page was, it was like a page of a comic book. It was completed with inks and with speech bubbles and everything. Um, so he he obviously had put the work in beforehand um, and knew what he was doing as far, as far as lettering was concerned because that, looking at that complete page, you know, like a one-page resume, which was, a completed comic book page i was just like yeah this guy's this guy's got the chops you know and he knows what he's doing sort of thing you know yeah that's that's really cool to to sort of um you know somebody who wants to be a sequential storytelling uh or storyteller you know presenting their their abilities and their 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 skills in a resume that is done in a comics page that that's that's pretty interesting and, and i i like that idea um so i have a couple of questions in general about the this the story you, you said that like this is this is the the you know sort of the third arc you you have plenty of ideas to continue the story um how do you sort of handle the the world of gorilla my dreams do you sort of have like a a notebook or a file where you sort of sort of keep the the bible or the of the or the world and you're sort of jotting down things or or do you have an outline that sort of got you so many issues uh into the future how are you sort of handling the the world building and the the longer form uh storytelling um look that's that's a good question i i don't really have the likes of a a story bible um, I what I what I do is I. It's funny. I when I have an idea, I, I start a script. Basically, I format. Um, I, I have a a blank template I use for writing my scripts, and I will I'll grab one of those blank formats and I will just 
uh, what's the word, almost like just regurgitate my whole idea down on the page and then put it aside. I have um, a number of issues planned out for what I need to happen in each issue to get knockaround guy from this first issue to um, the final showdown with uh, Lucifer Bimbom. Uh, but then even that is changing that then I'm, I'm like, well, there's a chapter in there that I don't really need to push that story onwards. So let's pull that out and we'll worry about that later. Um, so yeah, as far as my writing format is concerned, I've got notebooks coming out to Wazoo and uh, yeah, when I, when I have an idea, I just start a script right now on my desktop computer here um, on the, on the background, I've got five scripts there um, that have been started for various chapters that I need to do, mm -hmm. you know, to tell the story sort of thing. And so do you sort of maybe every once in a while have a, a moment of inspiration that might work more with, you know, one of the five scripts. So you, you sort of call that one up and do that sort of, uh, you know, that, that rough draft of, of getting the ideas and then put it away for a little bit. And then you sort of maybe in the back of your mind, it's sort of being processed, being worked on. You maybe you're on a walk and you're like, okay, that thing that I, that I started a couple of days ago, I figured that out. And then you sort of jump back to it and, and call it back up. And then, you know, either work out some of the kinks or, you know, clean up some of the stuff to, to make it flow. Do you, do you have those moments? Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, at, at the end of uh, the second issue, which is Gorilla My Dreams, Gorilla Tales, um, I actually wrote um, a character. She, she, the end of her story. She, oh, how do I explain? She sort of storms out of a room. She she learns a secret and she storms out of a room. And I got to be completely honest. When I originally wrote that, I forgot what what I was going to have her do when she stormed out of the room. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, planning further ahead that I realized, oh, hang on, I've got this character who's obviously taking some sort of action and I can't even remember what she was going to do. So then I sort of made it a priority to really think, okay, what can she do? Let's try this. No, I don't like that. You know, um, I think coming from a, a screenwriting background, well, actually, not even that. I think when I write characters, I need to understand why they're saying everything they're saying, why they're doing everything they're doing, where they're coming from, where they're going. Um, and so I needed to figure out what was right for this character. And it was actually one of those moments where I was just working on one of the future scripts and I was like, ah, oh, excellent. This is what Keone left to do you know um and it was just one of those lightning moments you know that zapped me and you know zapped the inspiration into me sort of thing i don't know if that makes sense i sort of rambled a bit there but um but yeah you know so there's there's things that i plan to do and then sometimes i even forget the inspiration for what that plan was and um and then later on you know you get the inspiration for for an idea that is actually going to be way more better and and way more effective no, that, that makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, I have found in the, in the past that even just sort of me trying to sit down um, and sort of either 
brainstorm an idea or a character or, or a situation might spark a, a story idea, or I might be sitting there looking at something that, that I'm working on and it's not quite working. And I get a lot of moments where I'm, you know, I'm out and about and, you know, I'm either on a jog or, you know, I've actually been in the car sometimes and my wife has looked at me like a crazy person where I'm like, can you write this down? And I, 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 cause I'm driving and I'm trying to be, yeah. you know, responsible and safe. And I'm like, so-and-so does this and this is what they want and this is where they are. And then email that to me. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had those moments of, of inspiration as well. And, and, and I know what you're talking about that sometimes when we're not thinking about it, uh, it all works out um, and we're able to sort of bring our stories together or, or break our stories. So um, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting when those, those ideas come to you. Yeah, definitely. And it's always great. And I think a major part of my uh, creative process is just talking about ideas. You know, as you said, you know, you're driving with your wife and you say, Hey baby, write this down real quick. You know, it's the same sort of thing. When I have an idea, I'm not sure it's working. I go to my lady and I'm like, Hey, listen, this, you know, you know, the story up to here, what do you think of this? Does this work or doesn't this work? And, you know, even if they don't contribute to the story with, with responses, vocalizing it, throwing ideas out there, discussing, well, maybe we could do this, whatever. Um, I find that a major part of my creative process that, you know, there's a few people who I talk to, um, my podcast co-host, as I said, my lady here. Um, and we, yeah, just, just talking about it um, helps you think deeper about it. And um, well, it does for me anyway, and mm -hmm. helps me, um, uh, what's the word, troubleshoot with parts of the stories that aren't working. Sure. So uh, I have a couple of uh, Kickstarter questions for you. Yep. Um, so when I have somebody on that's uh, running a Kickstarter, are you a refresh every 30 seconds? Or are you calm and you sort of check in every once in a while to see, you know, backer totals, uh, funding totals? Uh, how do you handle sort of that? Yeah, look, I, I check in every few hours, um, you know, like, yeah, just, just to see if it's uh, still creeping up there or whether I've got a couple of dead days or or whether it's going gangbusters. Um, I try not to obsess over it, uh, you know what I mean? Because depending what, what your mental state is at the time, you know, you can, you know, if you take, you can, you can take it all the wrong way. I, I um, personally, uh, you know, suffer with depression and anxiety. Um, so a lot of the time it's easy for me to, um, translate information in the worst possible way. You know, when you're having, oh, I only got one pledge today. Uh, you know, people mustn't like what I'm doing. And it's so easy for, for me to start spiraling and say, oh, why do I even make comics anyway? Regardless of the fact that the project funded in the first day, we've broken through two stretch goals. You know what I mean? When you've got, when you're not in that healthy mental state, it's easy to, to spiral in the wrong direction. So that's why I sort of check in every few hours um, without obsessing over it. Yeah, that's, uh, that is a uh, good outlook on it because uh, for myself, I am quite the uh, hit the refresh button 
every 30 seconds to see to see where it is and sort of also i have a uh loose agreement with with my wife that if i'm i'm walking around uh during a kickstarter and i i let a sigh out or i i get grumpy and i complain about something it's 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 me uh being on full sort of i'm in you know that 30 days of, of kickstarter mode just sort of you know give me a little bit of uh a little bit of grace and a little bit of sort of uh, space. And I'm, yeah. I'm just acting a little, I'm just acting a little extreme right now. And uh, everything, everything will return to, to normal in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair enough too. You know, like it's, it's, it, you need, you need to, um, you know, have that uh, almost that hunter mindset when it comes to a Kickstarter as well that you that you are switched on and you're doing all you can to to get your project in front of people. So yeah, that's definitely understandable. Sure. So uh, that would lead me into sort of my next question. Um, you know, we're recording this podcast. I'm in the United States. It's it's roughly ten o'clock in the night uh, on a Friday for me, uh, but you're already in your you know, early Saturday morning. Uh, how do you handle the 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 time differences? Uh, because for myself, if I'm running a Kickstarter, I generally try to do something early in the morning uh, for the East Coast, maybe noon and then uh, mid afternoon, as you know, time zones in my country change, so that I sort of hit people thinking, you know this person's at work, this person is sitting down in front of a computer, I might have them, but you are, uh, you know, on the other side of the world. So, so how are you handling that? Um, look, as far as I treat my, my Kickstarter updates, um, basically, like you said, I, I get up in the morning, if there's news to give, I give news, you know, I'll do an update. So the Kickstarter backers get it. Um, at, at that same time, I will, again, if, if need be, I will do uh, an email blast to, to my email subscribers. Um, as far as like trying to keep things active on social media, I, I would recommend, um, I use this app called uh, Hootsuite. Okay. And what it is, is I have my, my Facebook, my Instagram, and my Twitter all hooked up to this app, Hootsuite. And um, you can uh, set up times throughout the day for the posts to go out um, to all, all three of your social medias. Um, so I basically do that and I, I, I plan ahead for something to go out every six hours, um, you know, to sort of give the whole world an opportunity to you know find find a fairly recent post about what's happening um i I do that and i update that i set the um the timers for that sorry the schedules for that um every couple of days i'll set it up to do the next couple next few days um because i don't want don't necessarily want a tweet going out saying you know help us unlock this goal and we've already unlocked two goals since then, sort of mm-hmm. thing. So, um, so as far as yeah, getting getting tweets and Instagrams and Facebook posts out there, um, twenty four hours a day to hopefully, you know, catch our followers in the UK and our followers in the states and wherever else. Um, Hootsuite has been 
invaluable to me. Nice. And have you sort of, div, uh, you know, taken the dive into the analytics of uh, what is m- most effective for you? The, the newsletter, uh, you know, email blast, the, uh, uh, you know, the Facebook message, the Instagram message. Uh, have, you, have you taken a, a deep dive into any of that? Yeah, look, I've, I've got to be honest that a lot of the analytics um, I don't tend to understand. You know, I, I look up, um, you know, the Kickstarter analytics and the email and the uh, social medias and with the graphs and the numbers, it gets a bit overwhelming for me. Um, what I have found with this campaign, though, um, people who listen to uh, Comics Launch, um, Tyler recently mentioned the, the tool called Backer, Backer, Backer Kit Launch. I think that's what it was called. Um, and I have actually found that really good this time in that um, it's a way, you know, it, it, I think it costs $90 um, to send emails out to everyone who has backed a previous campaign of yours mm-hmm. um, who aren't, might not necessarily be following you on social media or on your email newsletter. Um, and look, I found that really valuable and I, I actually credit that as well as a couple of other strategies, but um, that is one of the things that really helped me um, to fund on the first day. Um, so I, yeah, that the, the proof is just in the numbers as far as that is concerned, but yeah, I do get a bit confused about you know the data that they present when uh, you look up analytics behind Kickstarter and social media and newsletters and things. So um, I'm not really sure to tell you the truth. Nice. Well, um, I can say, and this is something that I need to be better uh, myself is uh, for me, it was the, the newsletter because it went directly into my email box. Um, you know, I, I, I saw the name. It was somebody that I, that I know somebody that I have an association with. So yeah. I, I opened it up and you made it really easy. It had the, you know, the pledge now link that took me directly to Kickstarter. So that's, that's, you know, you, you had the, the pre-launch backer kit, but that, uh, you know, that email newsletter, um, sort of, again, it's sort of the, the no like, and, and, and trust sort of factor, um, yeah. to, to see that, um, and just, you, you know, you made it as easy as possible for me. You know, it was, you didn't tell me to go to Kickstarter, you know, search this thing. You, you gave me yeah. a link and it, it took me right there. And, you know, I'm already in the Kickstarter ecosystem. So it was just sort of like click, 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 click. And I'm, and I'm there. So like for myself, it was the it was the newsletter for you, so that's a little bit of insight there for you. Awesome, and yeah, thank you for that feedback, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think this is going to do it for for the interview. Um, you know, we've had a lot of great sort of uh, making comics talk, and then sort of here at the end, we uh, sort of dove into the the nuts and bolts of of running the Kickstarter, the the, the mindset you need to have, the uh, the tools that you you know, that you have and that you're already sort of, you're always sort of looking for new tools, tools to, to build and, you know, perform better. Um, so I think uh, your Kickstarter is roughly what, a couple of days in at this point? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's actually been running. Um, it's actually been running for about a week. Okay. Um, it w- I decided to go just a little bit longer uh, with this Kickstarter than the usual 28 days. Um 
simply because I've got um, here in Australia, I've got an, an event uh, like a mini convention that um, was scheduled to happen the week after the Kickstarter ended. Um, and so what I thought was, look, I'll just, ext- I'll, I'll do an extra week that way on, on the closing weekend of the Kickstarter, I'm at this convention um, and I can, you know, pimp it to anyone who happens to come across to my table and sure. hopefully get more pledges that way. So normally I run a neat 28 day uh, Kickstarter, but yeah, just because this convention was happening, I decided just to blow it out that extra week. Nice. Uh, okay, so as we close up, um, why don't you let folks know where they can follow uh, you on social media to, to keep up to date with, with this project, projects that are going to happen the, in the future, and give us one last pitch for, for this book that's on Kickstarter right now. Cool. So you can find me at Big Tim Styles, and Styles is spelled S-T-I-L-E-S. Um, basically on all the social medias, if you hit up Big Tim Styles, that's me. Um, even TikTok. I'm on TikTok. I tried to use TikTok last night. I wasn't very good at it. I didn't <laughs> figure it out. But, hey, you can find me there. Um, Gorilla My Dreams, The Sheep from the Ghost is the third chapter in Knock Around Guy's Adventure. He has trying to retire from the superhero life after a few failures but is being drawn back into the adventure despite he's uh, not wanting to. Uh, this comic book, it's uh, initially 28 pages. Every stretch, call, every stretch goal we break is more pages of story, more art, more pinups, so that this book, uh, the more money we raise, the bigger and better this comic book is going to be. So, yeah, check out Gorilla My Dreams, The Sheep from the Ghost. Awesome. So uh, I'm going to put links to to all of your social media uh, in the show notes and also a link to the Kickstarter. Again, uh, for anybody listening, if they want to just sort of scroll down in the in the show notes, click that link and go directly uh, to the Kickstarter um, that that's going to be there. So, uh, Tim, I, I had a great time talking to you. I'm, I'm very excited for this book, um, you know, uh, the, the the pages on the Kickstarter page uh, they 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 look amazing the you know talking to you um, you know sort of hearing the 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 pitch for this I, I'm I'm really excited for it uh, and I want to thank you uh, uh, for being on yeah no thank you for having me man it, it's been really fun uh, we should get to get together sometime and just talk about comics you know, even if it's not about pimping uh, Kickstarters or whatever, man, I'd love to actually just have a, have a chat sometime about new releases or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll take you up on that and, and we can, we can schedule something um, uh, in the future. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so again, um, links for all of Tim's uh, social media and the, and the Kickstarter are going to be in the show notes. Um, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, um, we're on social media. Twitter is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. And Facebook is Constructing Comics. Um, I'm also going to have a link to Dino Thrashers, uh, the pre-launch page for, for that Kickstarter. Um, that's a book that I am helping publish um, with 
Noah Ray, who is the co-host of this podcast normally. He is the artist, so there's going to be a, pre-la- a pre-launch link to, to that Kickstarter in the show notes. But I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>